Jesus is in the building. That is great news. And it's not Elvis. Much better. <laughs> hi, everybody. That is Mike Puppas who just said hi, and I am... Father Herb Weber. Very good. I just wanted... That was a test. We're introducing each other now. Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are in, getting ready for the 25th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is September 23rd. But you're listening to the 23rd podcast for september 23rd yes okay very good and today is our 23rd or podcast 23 23 podcast 23 podcast and today's our just for fun fact if you're keeping track our 71st episode of the 23 podcast almost my age okay almost this december you'll be 71 i know it's hard to believe december 18th everyone get him gifts and cards shower him with love <laughs> well the, the love, at least, for sure. <laughs> okay, we have been going through the dedication mass, trying to ta- say a couple words each week. But uh, let me go back first to what Michael just said. When he said Jesus is in the building, what he was referring to is the large crucifix that hangs in the sanctuary is now suspended. And Jesus on the cross is in place. It was the most exciting thing on Monday yeah. They spent time uh, connecting the, the the corpus to the cross itself. Mm-hmm. And then on, that was Monday, and then on uh, Tuesday this morning, very early, they started hoisting it up. They had built a scaffolding last week already. Yep. And so they hoisted it up inch by inch. It was really kind of breathtaking. I was here to watch it. And then gradually put it in place and then straightened it up and affixed it a uh, what'd you say? Three wires? Yeah. So they used three aircraft hanger cables, aircraft cables. I don't know what they're actually called, but yeah, it's the kind you find hanging in the hanger. It's pretty substantial, uh, sophisticated way to hang it. So yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It, uh, sits high, although because it's large, it doesn't look so high until you see people underneath and they look like little ants. That's <laughs> true. I've had um, quite a few people that have looked at this image of Jesus thus far be very emotionally moved by it. Uh, so I can't wait for hundreds, thousands of people. And to think about the thousands of people that will gaze upon this image of Jesus for the next 100 years is powerful. Uh, for me, it was stunning to see it in the air. Uh, but I think my favorite part today was when... I came back in, and we, and by we I mean they, uh, moved the lights, the spotlights, to illuminate it. And once it was fully illuminated, the way that um, the light kind of bounces off the the bronze finish on it, it just is really stunning in the in the space. So it's going to be very it, cool. It has a bronze finish, a bronze patine, but it is not made of bronze. That would be way too heavy to hang. Right. So. So anyway, so that's the exciting news going on this week. We're continuing um, some sound checks and rehearsals in the church, getting the music ready, lots of good things happening. And starting in just 10 days or so, we will be going through training for all liturgical ministers, one at a time. The servers, the the, gre- the greeters and ushers will be together for um, a retreat. Correct. The, the lectors getting used, used to using the new system. Certainly the Eucharist, Eucharistic ministers, both the new and the old. Uh, just figuring out where to stand, that type of thing. Yeah, there'll be 18 
uh, Eucharistic ministers in this church versus the 12 that per, we used per to mass. Have. Yeah, per mass. So that's really exciting. And uh, one other thing popped in my head. Oh, and I wanted that popped back out. In addition to the liturgical training, something that everybody can come to is our Church 101 events coming up. October 7th and 8th. So We really want people at those. So these are going to be one-hour sessions. They're going to be kind of fun. Uh, on October 7th, that's a Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're inviting people to come. Or you could come Monday evening, October 8th at 7 o'clock. They're going to be identical. Heck, you could come both times if you want to. And uh, we're going to have some worship. Father Herb's going to give a, a little keynote address about the spaces. It's a chance for you to see the church, learn a little bit about the space, uh, experience the artwork a little bit, sing. Uh-huh. And and we need it as well, just to adjust. I've, I found the different times I've used the, the PA system, uh, I just have to learn how to uh, speak with this sound system and these acoustics. Correct. And which, a big, are, which are very good, but it's it's just a different style. And a big difference in, a, in any room is um, bodies make a big difference with acoustics. So we just want to get some people in the room and see how the room reacts. So in, in reality, we're using them. We need bodies. We do, but it's also an exciting chance to see the room yeah. and see the space uh, before. And it's, you can claim your seat, and hope that nobody else claims it <laughs> yeah. on Monday. You I, could claim it on Sunday, but somebody else might. I, claim I that hope same we don't have two Monday. people fighting over the same seat. I don't think we will. See how these Christians love one another. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about the dedication mass. Sure. So let's let's just repeat real quick the last two weeks. So the first week we talked about the whole entrance right where there'll be a small delegation that starts over in the Parish Life Center, and they'll uh, process over to the doors of the church, and Father will turn over the keys of the church to the bishop. No. Representatives of the parish turn over the keys to the bishop, who then gives them to me, and I get to unlock the door. I, all right. I'll let you say that. I think you're the one that gives the keys. No, I received the keys from the bishop. Are we arguing on the podcast right now? Well, it's not an argument. <laughs> it's not an argument. I, I'm, it's just you're right. I'm just correcting you. Okay. So uh, there'll Does be. Does this ex- sound like at home? At a, <laughs> there'll be an exchange of keys at the doors of the church, uh, and then the bishop will lead everybody in. There'll be a blessing with um, holy water throughout the room, and then we go into the liturgy of the word, and that's where we concluded last week, all the way through. Um, the bishop's homily, and the profession of faith. And this week, we pick up with... The saints. Everything you want to know about the saints. There's a litany of saints, and litanies of saints are sung, or the litany of saints is sung... Yes. uh, Every Easter vigil, before we welcome new members into the church, Mm -hmm. the litany is also sung at ordination, uh, ordination to diaconate, ordination to the priesthood, ordination Mm -hmm. to the the episcopacy, the bishop. Mm -hmm. But it's also sung at the time we enter a new church. And this is a special um, text for some of it, uh, specific to the dedication of a church. So we've been working getting that ready. Very churchy saints? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Saint Isle, Saint Pew, Saint Tabernacle. Uh, We are inserting Saint John the 23rd into it so that he's included, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. And... um, It'll just be a chance to really invite all That was of no pun intended. It will be a chant, chance. A chant. Oh, I oh. see what you did there. So um, there'll be the Litany of the Saints. And then, speaking of St. John the 23rd, the next part is um, depositing of the relic inside the altar. Do you want to talk about that? I would bit? love to. We have a relic of St. John the 23rd. And actually, the letter of authentication that I received from the Vatican says, Blessed John the 23rd. So we had it before he was canonized in 2014. 
So uh, I received it through the diocese when we started the parish. Mm -hmm. And it is right now in a reliquary in my office. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been there for the last couple of weeks. And there's a, a small section that will be inserted into the altar. Most older Catholics will remember the altar stone was supposed to bear a relic of a saint. And that was the case. There was a stone in top on top of the altar. Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. The the, the top of the altar is one smooth uh, slab of granite. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. But the the place the, the relic is put in is in the side of the altar or underneath the top. Underneath the underneath the mensa. So just today, one of the men that were uh, was helping erect the scaffolding to put the crucifix up uh, asked me, "What's this hole here in the back of the altar?" Yeah. So it was a cool opportunity to. Explain it's like it to it's him. like a little box. Yeah. And it is so beautifully cut into the the stone that once the bishop inserts the the relic, then it gets closed up and it will be sealed up. And many people will probably never even notice it. If you look closely, you'll be able to see that it was cut and that it's cut in, but it's a permanent fixture. Now, maybe the bigger question is, why do we put a relic in the altar? So have you been wondering why? I was just going to ask you, Father Herb, why do we put a relic in the altar? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot. First of all, a relic, is there's two types of relics, first class, second class. First class is actually part of the saint. That like, part gets free drinks with every flight. Yeah, like, like no. a... <laughs> A first-class relic is like a piece of his bone, which I believe this is, although I can't really prove that. It just says from his body. Mm -hmm. A second-class relic is something that touched uh, a saint, Mm -hmm. like a piece of clothing or something. So this is a first-class relic. And the reason we do that is because we connect ourselves with all the saintly men and women who have worshipped before God through the ages. So with the litany of the saints and the people gathered on October 11th or any time we have mass, along with the saint that's in the altar, we say we are standing before God in unison with people who have stood before God in the past. And uh, like the quote from the letter to the Hebrews, a a cloud of witnesses, Mm -hmm. like all these men and women who have been witnesses to our faith. And so... And then, of course, if you want to go back to the early church, they they buried their early Christians in the catacombs beneath the city of Rome and with the bodies there interred. I don't know how often they would have mass down there. I had mass in a catacomb once. Really? Right down in the catacomb, not in the chapel above. I did that once too, but actually mm-hmm. in the catacomb. And you're surrounded by these basically shelves where the early early saints were were, were laid to rest. Were you going to say sleeping? I was going to say sleeping. Taking yeah. a nap? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> so after the uh, the relic of St. John the 23rd is deposited into the altar, uh, as Father said, uh, there will be somebody that comes back later than actually seals that. And then in the Mass, there's this beautiful, and I really do mean beautiful, prayer of dedication uh, that the bishop will pray uh, that is... The begins the the next portion of the mass, so that's where we're going to leave off today, and we'll pick back. Can't up Can't wait till next week, but let's go into Sunday's readings because we've only got a few minutes to make sure. I have found more and more people are relying on this so that they don't come into church uh, cold. Oh well, don't worry, the heat will be on this winter. Okay, last week we had chapter eight of Mark's gospel. This week we're going to chapter nine. Last week we had the part where. 
Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to say, the Son of Man must suffer and die, and whoever wishes to follow me will take up his cross. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was the what's called the first prediction of his own uh, torture, uh, suffering, yeah. and death. In chapter 9, we have the second prediction. So let me read the first part, and then I'm going to let Michael read the second part of the gospel, because once again, it's in two parts. All right. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man must be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but the one who sent me. Okay, so we have the idea of suffering, his uh, his passion, his death, mm -hmm. immediately followed by where does greatness lie? And it, that is the question I would ask, you know, what makes a person great? And sometimes today, just as in the time of Jesus, that has not changed. Mm -hmm. We think greatness is with status mm -hmm. and power and maybe the person who makes the most money. I often find myself going back to the, like the Godfather movies, you know, the whole idea that you know, I've never seen any of the Godfather. movies. You really owe it to yourself. Um, they were so well made. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not see the third one. How the many other, are there? Three, th three. Okay. Maybe I'll watch the first two and then we could watch the third one together. Okay. I'll bring the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you guys listen? Are you out there? Are you listening? How qu quickly we get off track? I was. Uh, that's true. Keep going. Okay, but let's stay. Let's stay with the whole thing. The God, Godfather image is one of power and control and wealth, and they're not necessarily happy. And yet, somehow in our minds, we kind of equate: if I have my power, and if I can even overpower others mm -hmm. and get my way, and Jesus is saying just the opposite: mm -hmm. greatness is not with power. So he uses the word servant. If you are a servant of others, and then he takes the image of the child. Now, children are wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two of them. I like them a lot. You like them a whole lot. I do. You just, your daughter was just here. Yeah, she, she is. Actually, as I was reading that, I was think I was picturing her face. You know, just the innocence of of yeah. the child. Although she was not happy at all when her mom told her they were going to go home and she had to take a nap. No, I wish she could have told me to go home and take a nap. That would have been nice. <laughs> I was trying to tell Emery, hey, a nap is one of the nicest things there is, but <laughs> she didn't buy it. No. Okay, but the, the whole idea, a child is innocent, and we love children. And I think people at Jesus' time love children too. Mm -hmm. But in their hierarchy of people, children did not count. Okay. They were about the lowest of the low in terms of power or influence. They were virtually possessions of people. Mm -hmm. And so to say that you have to be like a child or how you treat a child, that's radically challenging to the crowd. Yeah. We don't hear it with the same ears because 
because we've heard the passage before, but also because we've been taught since we were kids, you know, children really matter. Treat them well. Right. And maybe that's why we get so upset, so upset when there's abuse of children. Oh, of course. At any level, by anybody, perhaps especially if it's coming through the church. Mm-hmm. We also get so upset when children are separated from their parents, mm-hmm. as happened this summer. So we have a right to get upset, but because we know now how much harm is done and how deep set those wounds are. What I enjoyed as I was reading this, it, uh, it shows that Jesus didn't just hang out with the guys all the time. There's obviously some sort of community setting here where... Well, it says disciples. It's not just the 12 apostles. Yeah. And that I've been starting to learn to read, what crowd is he with? Mm-hmm. And it's it, he talks about kind of going away, and he didn't want people to know. He like almost like, I need a little time for myself. Yeah. Of course, anytime he does that, they, they come anyway. Yeah, they, they weren't good about giving him some quiet time, were they? So he gets to Capernaum, which is his own hometown. That's where he lived. And those good old apostles argued about who's the greatest, and he takes the child. But I thought what you were going to say was, he's if he's if there's a child there, there's probably a mother there. I I yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, I really I really was. Yeah. There, so there, <laughs> it was not just the guys. Yeah, it wasn't just the guys hanging out all the time. Okay, cool. We have uh, about five minutes left. Did you want to look at either the James reading or tie in maybe a little bit from wisdom this week? You have some wisdom for me, Father. No, I'm going to go to James. I'll okay, these have been great. These are great readings. The, the James uh, epistles. We've been. I don't know if people out there notice the first reading in this case, wisdom, and the gospel have the primary theme every Sunday. The second reading, and in this case, James, mm-hmm. has a secondary theme. Frequently, they fit together. You can refer to all of the readings. Yeah. But sometimes the second second reading is a complete secondary theme. Mm-hmm. And I have occasionally over the years just gone to the second reading and preached totally on that, mm-hmm. which is acceptable. Yeah. Usually I find the gospel is so compelling I can't stay away from it. You can't turn down a good gospel story. However, the other thing to remember is, is the first reading will jump around. This week it's it's from Wisdom, and I believe last week was from Isaiah. But... but Yes, it was. I have a good memory. But the second reading, we basically take an epistle and work our way straight through. So we've sure. been reading from the, the letter of James. Mm-hmm. And the letter of James is often considered the very Catholic reading, the Catholic Why epistle. Why is that? Because of last week. It talks about faith and works. Oh, yes. W-O-R-K-S. I was afraid when some of the lectors read that people would hear faith and words. Because oh. <laughs> because I, I remember one time I preached on, do you have faith or works? And a person came up afterwards and said, I have a lot of faith, but why do you keep saying we have to have words? And I said, not words, works. So You're allowed uh, to talk. Yeah. So this is like putting it into action. This week, I wrote down the words gentle and kindly. So uh, in James, it says, beloved, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every foul practice. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure then peaceable, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without inconstancy or insincerity. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace for those who cultivate peace. Those are words that just kind of like, okay, let's get back to what it's all about. And in this case, it does fit with the gospel. When Jesus is saying, 
you know, the greatest is the one who treats a child with love and treats all people with dignity and respect. And sure. here it's saying the same thing. It's not about power. It's not about control. Right. It's not like calling people names or putting people down. The, um, it, it's almost in some ways, even going back now, not every child is gentle or compliant, but they are but, also quite small and they're, it's one of those things. They're still learning. Well, of course. And, but they are, they're still just, they're very beautiful human characteristics. You, you know, you back to that original question that you said, you know, what makes a person great? Yeah. I think these are some of the, the great words you could use to define a person is who is great. And if, if I think about some of the people that have had powerful influence in my life, it has been people that have these types of characteristics. And those are the type of people I want to be more like. It takes a whole lot of self-discipline because everybody has sometimes that desire to just knock somebody's head off. You know, that's, you know, let me. Very violent of you. Well, I didn't say we'd give into it, but it comes from inside. (laughs) Sometimes we just have that bad day or the person who says, I'm going to tell you what you need to know because nobody else is going to tell you. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, Michael, you need to know this for your own sake. Hold on, let me press pause real quick. But let me tell you, (laughs) usually when somebody says that, they're not saying it for your own sake. They just want to let go. Well, and it's 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 to the nth degree now with the internet and social media and e- you know, you get an email that you want to respond to sometimes and you know that no, I need to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe a half a day, a full day before I reply to this so that You know what I've for serious in emails and I'm not talking about just like a quick response yeah uh to somebody's query, uh-huh. but for a serious email, I I type it out or write it out on the computer on Word first then i cut and paste because it gives me a chance to review it better that's smart hey those are beautiful words of wisdom okay i want you to be wise this week and uh, filled with sincerity all right guys have a great week we'll see you this weekend